The coronavirus forcing big changes to this election year and to the state's Republican convention. But what will the party do about Attorney General Curtis Hill? Will he keep his job? We'll talk with the state party chairman and the executive director for the Indiana Democrats. Plus, we'll hear from the Democratic candidate for governor, Dr. Woody Myers, and his running mate, Linda Lawson, and talk with two of the leading candidates in a hotly contested congressional primary. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett opening parts of the city's economy this week while other safety guidelines still remain in place in Marion County. Amidst this ongoing coronavirus crisis, it was also a pretty monumental week in Indiana politics with the state's attorney general suspended 30 days effective tomorrow. And on both fronts, the coronavirus and Curtis Hill, we simply don't know what will happen next? Let's start with the news at the State House. Curtis Hill's law license suspended 30 days starting tomorrow, but not before he weighed in on Mayor Hogsett's extended order prohibiting religious services of more than 25 people. Hill calling that, quote, unlawful religious discrimination, in his words. It's still not clear what will happen in the coming days and weeks in terms of the attorney general's job. The governor and other Republican leaders had called for Hill to step down when groping allegations first surfaced two years ago. Here's what the governor had to say about the situation this week. There's no good news in all of this for anyone and everyone that's involved in this specific um, case. But suffice it to say, my position, my personal position, um, has not changed since I reviewed the facts myself going on about two years ago. All right, so what happens next with Curtis Hill this week? I spoke with party leaders on both sides about all the developments at the State House this past week and what it means moving forward this election year, which is two weeks until the primary and a month from both state parties holding what will now be virtual conventions. Yeah, it was a big decision. We've been working on it for more than 10 weeks um, once we started to see um, some of the longer dated cancellations and learning more about the virus, we knew that we had to at least do some contingency planning. Uh, for this year's convention, the voting will be done by mail. We'll mail ballots out to the delegates. The delegates will be able to select um, their top candidate and if they so choose rank um, the remaining candidates. I know we're still waiting on legal questions to be answered about Curtis Hill's suspension and what that means in terms of whether there is a vacancy. Do you suspect as of today, he will still be one of those candidates seeking the nomination when the virtual convention comes around in June. I have no way to know that, that Dan. Um, you know, uh, ultimately, that will either be a legal decision or a decision that um, Curtis Hill has to make. Obviously, um, the Supreme Court um, was very uh, specific and direct in their findings that um, the four victims had uh, been inappropriately touched by Curtis Hill. Um, I think that's a very damaging finding by the top court in our state and um, something that our delegates are going to have to give really due consideration um, and they're going to have to really think about how voters across the state are going to view it because most are not going to view it very favorably. This was a long time coming. Uh, we have maintained from um, day one that Curtis Hill's actions were disgraceful, certainly well below the conduct of the office. If he had any, if he had a shred of integrity, he would have resigned a long time ago. Um, what do I, what do I think moving forward based on the news, um, on the GOP state convention? I really don't know what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. Two things are clear though. Republicans are responsible for his actions, um, and Curtis Hill, 
they should have used the legislative process to get rid of him um, years ago. They, they chose not to. I want to ask you as well about the controversy this week involving State Representative Jim Lucas. We heard some Democrats calling for his resignation, others who said that the Republican Party needs to do more to condemn his statements. What was your reaction to uh, the post uh, that he put on Facebook that uh, caused controversy this past week? It's just completely unnecessary. Um, you know, whether you believe Jim Lucas or you don't in his explanation, it's in extremely poor taste and can be taken in a very derogatory manner. Uh, so I hope that at some point Jim Lucas learns from these mistakes and whether his intent is, is poor or whether it is pure, um, he's got to think through what he's putting up. He's an elected official and um, whether, again, it's just um, ignorance of how it's going to be viewed or intent, um, I'm hopeful in the future that he thinks through these things because it does reflect poorly on the party. All right, now to Washington with the House back in session to tackle new legislation Friday, though it's already met some opposition in the Senate. The HEROES Act put, puts workers and families first, as my colleagues have said, as Congressman Quigley just said, uh, by, by safeguarding their economic security and making sure we have the testing needed to protect people's health and safely reopen our economy. I can tell you that's going to be a non-starter uh, in the Senate uh, on the Republican side. I don't think it's going to fly. Uh, and unless it's, you know, tailored down to uh, basically cover things that we were wanting to do and we missed, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's political staging. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he's in no rush to pass another relief bill. This week, we're hosting another virtual town hall with Indiana lawmakers and mayors across the state. We're answering your questions on the economic impact Wednesday night at 7 on Fox 59, CBS 4, and TV stations across the state of Indiana. All right, now to the race for Congress and the crowded Republican primary in the 5th Congressional District. One of the candidates, Beth Henderson, now revealing that her daughter just tested positive. I spoke with her this week. What can you tell us about uh, how you guys are doing and how your family is doing? Sam, thanks for asking. And despite everything going on, my campaign is going extremely well. Um, we are all being impacted by COVID-19. In fact, over the past few months, the impact of COVID-19 has been personal for so many of us. And my family doctor has had it. My Christian spiritual advisor and his wife suffered through it. Uh, he lost his mother from it. And now this week, um, as of yesterday, I got a phone call from my 25-year-old daughter, Amelia, and she has been diagnosed uh, positive with COVID-19. Fortunately, she's a healthy young woman. Um, she happens to be a TV weather anchor over in Champaign, um, but we're, we're hoping and praying for the best. Yeah, absolutely. Wishing um, for all the best for her as well. What kind of a perspective has this given you on, on the need to do more testing, uh, the need to get ahead of this uh, as we continue to, to try and, and fight this virus um, and keep it from spreading uh, to others? Absolutely. Well, from a nursing perspective, testing is very important, testing for the antibodies, uh, and protecting uh, others from getting it. We need to follow the guidelines from the CDC and make sure we are being protected. Uh, that said, my protective motherly instincts are kicking in yeah. and I feel a very 
I feel very strongly that China must be held accountable for the damage they've done to our nation. It's becoming very clear to me why I'm being called to run for Congress. What would you do if elected uh, to Congress in terms of China and what else can be done right now to help people here in Indiana who, who are dealing with the health and economic impacts of this ongoing crisis? Yeah, the, the health and economic uh, impact is, um, it's affecting us every day. And we're hearing more and more stories about you know, small businesses and families and the impact that this has had. So um, I think we need to follow the guidelines. I think uh, the governor and his task force team are doing an excellent job keeping us informed and going through their, their phase in process. Uh, so we need to continue to be updated on current information. Are we you also must need to, we, we need to eliminate our dependence on China and currently 95% of our medications and supplies are being manufactured there. We need to bring back made in the USA and hold the Chinese government accountable. As a registered nurse and a businesswoman and a mother, my protective motherly instincts have kicked in and I'm on a mission for our district, state and nation. Thank you so much for taking time with us today and all the best uh, to your daughter. We, uh, we pray for a quick recovery for her. Thank you so much, Dan. Good to talk to you. All right. This week, I also spoke with candidate Chuck Dietzen about his blueprint for a healthier America. How do you see us getting out of this crisis and moving forward into a healthier tomorrow? Having been a practicing doctor for 30 years and being very involved in policy writing as well as global health and public health, I've seen how pre-existing conditions can affect the human body and whether it withstands well or not um, the attack by a virus. Um, I've worked in 21 other countries seeing where they don't have quite the structure we have here. And uh, therefore, it's, it's pretty clear that we need to take better care of ourselves. And as I often say, if we have good health, we don't really need so much health care. I want to ask you about uh, Dr. Fauci, who went before the Senate this week and said he was concerned that reopening too soon could lead to unnecessary death and more illness in this country. As a doctor, do you agree with Dr. Fauci's take on the situation? How do we balance that need to reopen parts of our economy with the ongoing health concerns? Well, I certainly think that is a risk. That's something that you're trying to do on balance, but ultimately the collateral damage of this virus has been very, very bad also. For example, in New York City, they were saying that they would see typically about 20 deaths per day within within the home. And that was unrelated to virus just prior to this outbreak with COVID-19. They've actually had some days where it was as high as 200. So the, the issue has become where we became so focused on the virus that I think we began seeing a lot of people dying of the things they would typically call 911, go to the hospital. Uh, they were dying from asthma attacks, um, heart disease, cancer, that, where their treatments had to be uh, interrupted. So things that were postponed because of the care and so much of the direction seemed to be given towards the virus. So again, I think because of the collateral damage, we have to look at what does that mean for the population and the public health see within our communities. But we have indeed had 80,000 people now uh, in this country pass yes. away. I mean, that's, that's a pretty staggering figure. 
Um, yes. are, are you concerned uh, that, that those numbers will only continue to climb with Dr. Fauci saying we may see 3,000 deaths a day at some point this summer? Oh, I, I think it will in, increase more, there is no doubt. And again, I, you know, that's where you're trying to balance that, that collateral damage. We had 80,000 deaths attributed to influenza a couple of years ago. So it, we are at that point. And I, but not it in the span to, of time, right? Not in the span of time. That is correct. That is correct. That's over a, a, a uh, flu season. And what we would hope to see is that there's some sort of coronavirus season. Um, you know, would we see this drop off as the weather gets better? Uh, I don't think, again, we like to do, as doctors, we want to do retrospective studies where we look back over what's happened or we prospective studies when we look at drugs that help with this. Unfortunately, when you're in the middle of it, you cannot do either of those in a very, um, very positive way. All right. Congressional candidate Chuck Dietzen with us there. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk with candidate for governor Woody Myers and his newly named running mate, former state rep Linda Lawson. We'll be right back. This week, we're talking about the race for governor with Democratic candidate Woody Myers naming his running mate, former state rep Linda Lawson. The announcement came a little late, a couple days after the party's deadline for Myers to name a running mate. I asked him about that when I spoke with both Myers and Lawson earlier this week. What can you tell us about the selection process here? Well, it was it was rigorous uh, and it was actually a lot of fun to meet with and talk to as many people as I had a chance to uh, talk to around the state. I got a lot of opinions. Uh, from from a lot of different folks as to what the most character, important characteristics were. Uh, and uh, I had some fantastic conversations, and uh, I, I believe it was a very deliberate process. Uh, and, uh, yes, I, I didn't want to be rushed by the uh, deadline. It wasn't a state uh, requirement kind of a deadline. It was an internal Indiana Democratic Party deadline that was set for convenience for printing of the ballots. And so we just asked them to move it a couple of days down to give us a little bit more time. Wasn't wasn't a, a big deal to, to do that. And uh, I was so fortunate uh, that uh, that uh, Representative Lawson agreed uh, to uh, to come out of her semi-retirement to, uh, to be a part of our team. Uh, I couldn't be more excited. She's got a lot of energy, a lot of experience. Uh, and I think uh, we'll make a, gr- a great one-two punch uh, uh, on the campaign trail. You served many years in the General Assembly. Um, how concerned are you uh, about the state budget and what lawmakers may have to do here come this next session in, in terms of trimming our state's budget because of the revenue shortfalls we're seeing? Yeah, I understand that there's already been some cuts, but there's going to have to be some others. Most of the time, people sit down together and collaborate over, over those budgets. They're always difficult years, always. I remember sitting with the the uh, the chairman of Ways and Means um, several times in trying to ask for things that meant a lot to my district. And it's way it, it always continues and it's always that way and it's always every two years. So um, I think that we will be able to at least uh, come to some agreements and there'll be some disagreements too about where those cuts are made and uh, how deeply they are. So it's hopefully we're, we'll be all in this together and we'll do what's best for the state of Indiana. All right, stick around. We'll talk with our panel coming up right after this. It's time now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories. Joining us online this week, Dr. Laura Wilson, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, Jennifer Wagner, and Mike Murphy. Let's start with UND political science professor Laura Wilson. Laura, Attorney General Curtis Hill was critical of Mayor Joe Hogsett this week for limiting church services to 25 people. A lot of layers to that, obviously, in terms of the debate itself, 
the role mayors play and the AG's suspension that takes effect tomorrow? There's a lot going on there. I, I think in part, that's a great deflection from Curtis Hill. There's been a lot of questions with the 30-day suspension, what that means in terms of his job. Of course, he's running for re-election there, too. Uh, with Mayor Joe Hogsett, he is taking a more precautionary approach relative to the guidelines set out by the governor. But for local government, he has the right to do that. And of course, Marion County has been a hotbed in terms of these coronavirus cases. And so that's something he has to consider there, too. I think there's a lot wrapped into this single yeah. issue. And the governor saying he will let local governments uh, supersede the state when they want to be more stringent. Laura, thanks. We're also joined by Abdul Hakim Shabazz, the editor and publisher of IndiePolitics.org. Hello to you, Abdul. Uh, oh, couple it's good of, to be here, my friend. Yeah, a couple of pretty big stories at the State House this week. You had the Curtis Hill ruling and also this controversy over State Rep Jim Lucas and his Facebook posts bringing a lot of reaction at the state level. Uh, yes, uh, obviously the Curtis Hill thing is a lot of people are paying attention to see what uh, happens next. You know, does the AG uh, have to step down, uh, give up that office? Does he stay? Uh, I read both briefs that were submitted uh, to the Supreme Court this week. Uh, both make some convincing arguments. And then once again, uh, Jim Lucas, who I've known Jim for quite a while, and uh, to say Jim uh, occasionally steps in every once in a while would be putting it mildly, uh, to say the least. Uh, but him also saying that, hey, uh, some folks may have found what he did uh, to be offensive. Uh, he's not going to apologize for it and keep going straight. Uh, Jennifer Wagner joins us as well, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. Jennifer, hello. The uh, leading Democrat in the AG race, uh, Jonathan Weinzapfel, has actually outraised the Republican candidates. Can Democrats actually mount a serious bid for attorney general this year? Well, yeah, Dan, I think they can. Um, I think we have a really strong candidate. I think Jonathan, um, you know, obviously sat out a little bit, um, really made a strategic decision to get involved in this race. And the Republican side of things is a complete mess. Um, Curtis Hill, notwithstanding, it looks like, you know, Todd Rakita, I know Abdul's favorite uh, <laughs> favorite elected official is uh, looking at jumping in there. I mean, you've got You've got all these people. It's a convention race. And I think there's a real opportunity for Democrats to show that that we can lead and we can win a statewide office. Well, what about Todd Rukita? I want to get uh, Repu former Republican lawmaker Mike Murphy in here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this race? Well, first of all, I think Todd, you know, certainly will, will walk into any race, even against Weinsapple, with the best name ID statewide. There's no doubt about that. He had a mixed congressional record, uh, very good on uh, conservative anti anti-national debt issues, um, very cautious not to vote for budgets that um, that uh, spent more money than they brought in, which I was always uh, glad to see from him. But he was not without controversy. I mean, when his first few weeks in Congress, he stood on the uh, steps of the U.S. Capitol and told a CNN anchor that she was beautiful, but she had to be honest, too. And, and so he has a way, somebody mentioned earlier, people stepping in it. Uh, Todd has a way of stepping in, but he does work hard. Uh, we guarantee he'll have great name ID. It's just a matter of uh, whether he wants to try for another office. More than ever, guys, Abdul and Laura, I'll turn back to you on this as well. We just don't know what's going to happen next, right? I, I mean, more broadly speaking, in terms of what happens with this coronavirus, how it impacts this election year, and some of these moving pieces in Indiana politics. I mean, we simply don't know how a lot of this is going to play out. It, it's really impossible to say. And I think you can look at you know, previous elections, certainly we've had national pandemics before, but not recently, not in a time where we've been paying attention to politics and we've been measuring things in the same kind of way. There's a lot of great historical comparisons to 1918, but that right. was over 100 years ago. I, I think there's so much here that really is on a daily, a weekly basis, dynamics that are changing, people's opinions and perceptions being changed by those. 
Um, and it, it really does make it a truly unpredictable world. At the moment. Quickly hear from oh. each of the rest of you. What, what are we not paying attention to enough here? Um, I think one of the things that uh, we really need to focus on is what does the Supreme Court say on Monday? Uh, right. Like I said, both sides have submitted their briefs. Uh, what do they say about whether uh, Curtis Hill can stay in office uh, after he's suspended? Jennifer, Mike, uh, what, what, what else should we be focusing on here uh, in the midst of so many things happening all at once? I just think, I mean, politically, in a lot of ways, the world is going on. There's plenty of negative campaign ads going out there and mail pieces being dropped. But, you know, I think we have to pay very close attention in these next few weeks as we reopen our economy, reopen our state to make sure that we're all safe and healthy. That's the most important thing to me. Mike, you get the last word. I think the most important thing we have to look at right now is the uh, loss of revenue in the state coffers in the month of April, down a billion dollars. A lot of that is obviously deferred income taxes, but certainly credibly at least a couple hundred million dollars in lost revenue from lost economic activity. That's going to hurt state programs across the board. So not only does Holcomb have to balance the, the virus and getting the economy going, but he also has to figure out what to do with state programs that were funded by money that's no longer there. And going back to the city of Indianapolis, I mean, that's all part of the big debate at the city level, too. Some restaurants, some business owners who really do want to be open now, while uh, the city continues to say we need to wait just a little while longer. Absolutely. We have, uh, you know, uh, people who cut hair, people, you know, I've talked to some people, minority restaurant owners, they're moving across 96th Street or across into Hancock County right. to open up space. I mean, if you have to feed your family, which everybody does, you'll do whatever okay. it takes, no matter what a mayor or anybody else says. It is something we will talk about uh, on our coronavirus town hall coming up Wednesday night on Fox 59 and CBS 4, 7 p.m. as we talk with mayors from around the state and other elected officials. We hope you join us then. Mike, Abdul, Jennifer, Laura, thank you all so much. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you guys soon. We appreciate it. Stick around. We'll be right back with much more after this. All right, there's much more to come on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation and also on our virtual town hall coming up Wednesday night at 7. We'll see you next week.